the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. AM 970 presents Eye on Real Estate. This is your premier source for real estate information. From the hot properties in the tri-state to the latest in real estate market trends. From mortgage news to answers to all of your real estate questions, you'll be in the know with help from the experts. Call now, 866-970-9622. 866-970-9622. Now, here's your host for Eye on Real Estate, Douglas Elements CEO, Dottie Herman. Morning. I'm Dottie Herman, and you're listening to Iron Real Estate, and we are the only show on talk radio that is all about real estate and the millions of things that have to do with real estate, which in this decade, and with the pandemic, and with everything that's going on, it's still hot as a whistle. We'd love to hear from you always, so you can always call us up. You can call us at 866-970-9622. Uh, I'm here with my co-host. Uh, Senior Vice President of Citizens Bank, Ace Wadzuskarp. Hi, Ace. Good morning. How are you? Good morning, Dottie. Good morning, Stephen. Yeah. And, you know, financing and mortgages and people are buying commercial, residential. I mean, this, this real estate is crazy. And it's, I promise you, there's no one more knowledgeable about getting a loan, whether it's commercial, residential, than Ace what Ace. So you'll be glad to have him answer any of your questions. And... Stephen Ebert, who specializes in real estate law, both residential and commercial, and is a partner with Casson and Casson, um, and has offices in Manhattan, Westchester, and Dallas, and Phoenix. Good morning, Dottie. Good morning, Ace. Good morning. Good morning, morning, everybody. It's a nice, beautiful day in New York. And at 11 o'clock, we are going to have Lois Weiss, the writer from Between the Bricks. And if you've ever gone on that, site is very you can find out everything about real estate and everything lois will be discussing subleases and what will it take to get employees back to the office which we're all actually right before the show i was just talking to Stephen about that what will it take employees to get back to the office and the well health safety ratings um today uh, we're gonna have a lot of topics but i just thought that it would be uh, an interesting thing to talk about. I was reading an article, guys, and it's um, it said the housing market is at a tipping point. <clears throat> and when you read articles on real estate and, and what's going on, you just read a million different opinions. And again, no one knows the future. So, but some say we are at a tipping point and we could be in for a crash. Others say we don't. Okay. I don't believe we're in for a crash whatsoever, but I want to talk about it because uh, we are really at a tipping point and we would have as many transactions as we are having, and this is nationally, not only in the tri-state, this is nationally, okay? We would have that much more if we had inventory. 
there is very little inventory. So um, I want to talk about that and what that means if you're a seller and what that means if you're a buyer. Because I can tell you right now, in many places, there is really nothing to buy. Um, so we want to see how that's going to affect real estate because if there's nothing to buy, just everything's taken up. Um, are we going to see more inventory? Are builders going to build more? So we're going to talk about that. Okay. And of course, I, you know that you can go to our Facebook page and Twitter and Instagram and you can, you can email me at dottieherman.com or you can go on our Facebook page, Ion Real Estate and put any questions you'd like. And of course, we'd love to hear from you always. So you can call us at 866-970-9622. We always want to hear from you. So I think we're going to just talk a little about real estate in general, the different parts of real estate and what's going on. And just so you know, excuse me, I have a little cold. Manhattan leasing signing surge in March. They are huge. Um, renters are moving around and searching for deals and better deals. And at the same time, um, they know that the rents in New York City now, and this is specifically New York City, are lower. And concessions from the landlords are, are pretty good. Now, what happens sometimes in leasing, when you're leasing something in New York, a landlord might not necessarily give you the, the money off in the rent, but what he might make is concessions. And so it's something that, you know, we'll talk about a little bit in a second and what kind of concessions where they maybe give you free rent for a couple of months. And that's really like a reduction in rent. Uh, but that's what they're doing. There were 4,986 lease signings, <clears throat> which is an increase of 89% from March last year. Remember, last March, we were starting the lockdown. If I'm not mistaken, it was around March 15th, 19th, around there when we actually, the country locked down. Okay, so in a year's time, almost 5,000 leases were signed. And that is almost an 89% increase from the same time last year. So people are definitely, definitely out there and they're leasing crazy, okay? The medium rent from Manhattan in March was $3,098. And that reflects a drop of about 13.7%. So rents are, are down, okay? And uh, we are, Seeing that it's starting to, we're starting to see some stabilization, but there are so many good deals. And if this is bringing people into the city that may, maybe never could afford the city before. Um, in Brooklyn, lease signings rose sharply year over year for seven consecutive months in a row. So that's going on in Manhattan and that's going on in Brooklyn. And in Northwest Queens, which doesn't kind of follow exactly what what Brooklyn and New York City do, but Northwest Queens, um, it, they did not trend as high. They, they were kind of flat. So we see it in, 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 in Manhattan, we see it in Brooklyn, we haven't seen it in Queens yet. But usually what happens is as everything fills up, then Queens will take place. But 
time is running out. So when I say that, again, I don't have a crystal ball. But now, if you are going to lease something, now is a great time to lease because you can make deals. And Steve, I was going to ask you um, a little if you could explain what type of concessions people could ask for when they're trying to negotiate rent. Absolutely. Do you want me to focus on commercial, residential, or both? Both. Sure. So let, let me start with sort of the residential world a little bit. Um, the first thing is, and this concept is in both, is that landlords want to have the highest possible rent at sort of a list price, right? Um, it's sort of like the MSRP when you're buying like a car. They have sort of that higher list price, but there's maybe things one can negotiate on. Um, so this is exactly where, you know, a landlord might say we're willing to give a month free or maybe even two months free depending upon when and where, but ultimately have a higher list price because what they're worried about is twofold. One, how do they look when it comes to them getting a, a loan on the building when they're going to their lender? And number two, when that lease is over, what are they going to signal to the market? So that's the first thing. The other thing is when it comes to the residential side, there are maybe concessions that you can get that works differently, right? Some of them have been giving out gift cards or access to services. You know, certain landlords may have um, ownership of other interests. Like for example, related, the big developer, um, while they're mainly in condo, they do have some rentals, well, they also own Equinox. And there's sometimes an opportunity to get maybe a gym membership or something to go with it. So there are different ways in which you can save money or get things that are out there. Um, and, and that's something to consider when, you, when you're doing that. It's also important, and then the law changed on the residential side nearly two years ago, that landlords can only take um, one month's security on the rent. Now, when it comes to the commercial side, it really makes a big difference on the type of establishment and the type of lease. Number one, if you're signing a new office lease, one of the big questions that you're going to have is what's the environment like in the office? And what I mean by environment, a big question right now is air filtration systems. So a lot of landlords are making major upgrades in what they, we call HVAC, heating, ventilation, and air conditioning. They're putting in stronger filtration systems to filter the air, in some cases UV lighting, to really destroy uh, harmful things in the air. And that's a real question that you're going to want to ask um, as a tenant. The other thing is trying to get tenant uh, improvement allowances, right? This is something that helps you have a nicer office. And this is something that ultimately the landlord gets a nicer building at. But also in this conversation, who's really controlling the HVAC system? Like I remember many years ago when I had an office in the Empire State Building, that was very much regulated by the landlord. In some of other buildings and newer buildings, the ability for the tenant to really have localized control over HVAC can be a very big deal. So those are some of the things to think about. Um, and of course, again, concessions when you can delay rent. Um, and there's been a mix. Like we've been successful for tenants in getting free rent, but sometimes what we'll do instead of having it all up front, we'll space that out over time. So that way the landlord doesn't is not getting a revenue crunch 
but effectively the tenant is getting more free months worth of rent because we didn't stack it all up front and we've spaced it out. So those are a few of the techniques uh, to think about in negotiating. Yeah, and I, I just want to also tell you that sometimes landlords will rather give concessions than lowering the rent because let's say the average rent was like that they were getting for an apartment was 3500 bucks dollars and they might um if they gave you it for like three thousand then maybe other people would find out so sometimes they would rather give concessions and leave the rent at the regular price and say here's x amount of months off or something of that nature so absolutely absolutely it's all about protecting that sort of baseline advertised rental rate that right. that's that's the critical and so if you understand exactly as you're saying if the tenant understands that's the mindset of the landlord, then they know what to ask for in a negotiation. But that's right. going to be the number one thing on their mind. Right. And I say this because most people who are looking to rent an apartment in the city just look at the rent number and don't realize that maybe that landlord would not want to come down on rent because then they would start a whole uprise with all the other renters but would do something with concessions and give you months off, which at the end of the day, when you average it all out, it's going to be like a reduction in your monthly rent. So it's something to know and to look for and to think about when you're, shop- when you're shopping around for rentals. A lot of yeah, people, and, and, go ahead, Steve. And one more thing to add on that, one technique which is overlooked, and this is on the mind, I think, of some landlords, because they're only allowed to take one month's security now with the change in the rent law, most people are used to negotiating, taking the first month off in the beginning. If I was a tenant and if you're not able to work out in the ranks of the landlord, you can ask to take off the last month's rent. Because right, a lot of landlords are concerned with that only one month of security, maybe you won't pay the last month's rent and their security is wiped out. So maybe one of the techniques um, to give the landlord comfort is fine. Instead of the first month, give me the last month free. Something like that. That's a good point. Now, while we're on rentals, I just want to talk a little about, because so many people are co-sharing, meaning they're co-sharing, they're renting together where they're not both on the lease, or maybe they're, um, they're going to rent a room, maybe a room in their, in, their, in their home or their rental property to someone. And when you're renting out a room in your own home to a stranger, it's a common place practice, especially in expensive cities like New York, where people can become de facto roommates when apartment dwellers sublet a room. Now, I want to tell you a little story about this, and I want to tell you why I think it's so important, because this could happen in a rental. It could happen when you rent rooms in a house. I have a friend who has, um, unfortunately, stage four cancer, and she's unable to work. So she generally rents out rooms in her house. Last, um, I guess it was about a year ago when we went into lockdown. And then, of course, the governor put that you can't evict anybody, even if they don't pay rent. Um, She had a a mother and and a son, and they were renting a couple of rooms in her house. And they didn't pay rent. And they didn't have to pay rent. And they're not going to pay rent. And the girl needed this rent that she rented parts of her house out to live. It ended up 
that, you know, and I always tell you, if you don't have to go to court, don't waste your time. It's, you know, it's closed for so long, the courts, and I'm sure there's going to be such a backlog. It's unbelievable. So she ends up having to pay. I think she paid $12,000 to get the people out. You know, and I've experienced that years ago with banks when they would foreclose on somebody and somebody wouldn't move out. Um, they would, they had all these programs like rent, rent a key. And what they would do is actually pay people to move. So you, when you, if you are going to rent anything out in your house, don't, and, and a lot of times it's a friend or it's somebody that, you know, that you're going to say, okay, you know, this is a friend of mine. So, you know, I'll rent them two rooms in the house. When you rent, especially to a friend, don't treat them as friends. They're, treat them as strangers and be careful what you say about yourself in the beginning of your interviewing process. Uh, get a background check, even if it's a friend. Okay, make sure you get a background check on them. <clears throat> Set up written guidelines, even if you're renting rooms in your house. Draw up a real contract. Include the rent amount, when that rent is due, any fees related to late penalties, if you're putting late penalties in. Um, you'll want to also touch on whether the increase, there's, there's an increase yearly, because so many people, I can't tell you how many people have done this, rented rooms and have gotten burned by it. Um, you should also spell the rules for parking and pets. Okay, um, have an exit strategy. You and your tenant, even if it's a friend, should have an idea of how long he or she will be living in your home. You also might want to ask for the last month's rent, or as Steve said, or something at the end. Um, apartment complexes do that. Uh, think about what happens if the tenant gets behind in rent. So make sure that when you are renting, you 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 do you do you write it up same as if you were renting an individual apartment, even if you're co-renting, because when you are renting an apartment together, that's one thing. But when you're just renting out rooms in an apartment that you sign a lease on, um, that's very different, and you've got to treat that as that's like a real rental. Now, <clears throat> you can co-buy also. And with property surging and competition among buyers at a very, like, it's crazy. People are going so, people are going hundreds of thousands of dollars over ask price, I see in some of these situations. If you don't have quite enough money saved to buy a home in this current climate, or if you're worried about taking on all the responsibilities of home ownership on your own, you may want to consider collective real estate investing. And collective real estate doesn't have to be that sophisticated. That means when maybe you team up with a, a relative or some friends or like-minded individuals, and they can help you become a homeowner faster and extend your financial reach in your search. Now, there are benefits of group real estate investing, okay? And I always suggest that's not a bad idea. A couple of friends get together and you pool together your money and you, you, you're working with individuals that hopefully that you know and you have the ability to capture homeownership dreams a lot sooner. And people are doing that now. So when you are group investing, before you dive in head first, you can collect real estate purchase. Make sure you understand. I know. 
I'm going to continue this after the break about co-ownership, okay? When you're buying something together as a group. And then Ace will tell you how you can finance that. We'll be right back talking about group investing. Asthma symptoms can attack anywhere, like on a city street. <coughs> now you can get fast relief anywhere with new improved Primatine Mist, the only FDA-approved asthma inhaler available over the counter. So whether you need relief on symptoms at the park or at your kitchen table, Primatine Mist starts working quickly, opening up your airways to restore free breathing. For temporary relief of mild symptoms of intermittent asthma, use Primatine Mist and breathe easy again. Available at CVS, Rite Aid, and Walgreens. Use as directed. Do you know how many Christians live in the Middle East? Six million people. Do you know how many Christians need your help? Every single one. Do you know what we can do? With St. Francis in Beirut, we can give them hope. We can give them medicines. We can give them medical equipment. We can give them everything they're looking for. Because some others decided to remove Christianity from the Middle East. But if we will help them every single day, not just to feed them or clothing, it's all about giving them another day with the idea that they are recognized, that we love them, there are cousins, sisters, there are roots. So, St. Francis in Beirut, it's all about helping Christians. And you can be part of that help too. If you want to help Father Paul in his mission, send your donations to St. Francis in Beirut, 213 Stanton Street, New York, New York, 10002. Hello, I'm Dr. Ed Sopin from Procure Proton Therapy Center located in Somerset, New Jersey. You may be surprised to know that one in seven men will experience a prostate cancer diagnosis in their life. One in seven. So if you or a friend or family member are facing prostate cancer, make sure you do your homework before choosing a treatment strategy to understand that in most cases, invasive surgery is not the only option. Procure's Proton Therapy offers a customized, safe, and effective treatment option with an exceptional patient experience and no downtime. For more information or take a next step, please visit www.procure.com or call 855-3-PROTON, 855-3-PROTON. Let me or one of my colleagues help you make the right decision. Discover the Procure difference, precision therapy, passionate care. Want to listen to AM 970 The Answer on the go? There's an app for that. Download our free smartphone app so you can listen to all your favorite shows, keep up with us on social media, enter contests, win prizes, and even interact with our hosts all in one place. Just search AM 970 The Answer in the iPhone App Store or the Google Play Store for the Android. Again, search AM 970 The Answer and download our smartphone app today. That way, you can take us wherever you go. Listen to AM 970, The Answer, on Alexa, TuneIn, iHeart, or Radio.com. Better sleep means a better you. That's why Mattress Firm came up with the Rest Assured Promise, featuring the best mattresses from America's best mattress brands, like the Temper Breeze Collection, available now, with a $300 instant gift good towards your choice of sleep accessories. Visit with our sleep experts in-store, online, or by phone to find the right bed for you. Only at Mattress Firm. 
America's number one Tempur-Pedic retailer. Offer valid with qualifying purchase. Restrictions apply. Valid at participating locations only. For offer details, visit mattressfirm.com slash sale. I'm Dr. Baker, an ER physician. If you're having leg pain, swelling, or redness, but haven't talked to your doctor yet, don't wait. This could be deep vein thrombosis, a blood clot which could travel to your lungs and lead to a pulmonary embolism, which could cause chest pain or discomfort or difficulty breathing and be deadly. Your symptoms could mean something serious, so don't wait. Talk to a doctor right away by phone, online, or in person. Brought to you by Bristol-Myers Squibb and Pfizer. It's I on Real Estate. Got a question? Call 866-970-9622. Here's Douglas Elements CEO, Dottie Herman. We're back, and we're talking about um, group investing. And when you group invest, okay, you might get a bunch of friends, a bunch of people together, and... and buy something together. So co-ownership, okay, is no different than if you co-sign a car. As you make payments, you positively, uh, you are positively improving your credit score. If you have late payments, anyone who's a co-signer on this property is going to take the hit. So entering to a real estate purchase with other people means your credit profiles will be somewhat linked. So if one partner misses their share of the payment or causes payments to be late, everyone's credit will be negatively affected. So it is essential to really know what you're getting into, uh, have an agreement, and remember that if someone doesn't pay, you're all going to be affected. Ace, when somebody wants to buy a property with not their husband or wife, with just a group of people, maybe friends, <clears throat> a couple of friends, <clears throat> how would they apply for a mortgage on that? Yes, yeah, so basically it, w- it would be um, deemed an investment property. They would pr- usually have two to three parties, different different individuals buying into a property. And, and most of the times, Dottie, they'll set up what we call an L- limited liability corporation, LLC. Right, and they'll put a shell company together. Some banks will allow an L- a purchase of a, um, of a property under an LLC. Some won't, so you you just have to check which banks will accept that. Um, Citizens Bank here, we do accept LLCs, and that's common when you're buying an investment property. And um, basically, the um, the bank will underwrite the individual's credit, income, and their ability to repay the mortgage. Right, if they rent out the the property, I do want to heed. Um, all of our listeners, that if you are looking to buy a property with someone that's not family, just make sure you guys have somewhat of a contract in case um, you know someone doesn't pay or or whatnot. I had a you know early in my career, we uh, we bought a property together with one of my two of my friends, and uh, so there was three partners in the deal, and one partner just decided one day that she didn't want to pay. Right. And that was a very, very stressful time in my, in, in my, uh, in my life because myself and, and the other partner, we had to put in the money for her because we didn't want to ruin her credit because we were all on the right. mortgage. Right. So that was just a story earlier on in my career today. I probably won't buy a property unless I know them really, really well. And even if then I, I just want to do a little bit of background check. Right. So just make sure the person that you're 
like like what Dottie said, make sure it's like-minded individuals. They have the same principles that you do. They pay on time. The credit is good. Do your due diligence before you go into partnership with anyone. And that's probably for anything, right? But especially in real estate, because if you have that one partner that isn't holding up their, their part of the bargain, it, it could be very, very strenuous and stressful, not only financially, but emotionally, right, Dottie? So that's, that's right. my advice. So basically, our, our, our lesson for the day on that is if you're going to buy, which I think is a great idea, yeah, a couple of great idea. together, I think yeah. it's a great idea, but don't treat them as a friend. Treat them Correct. as they're a, par a stranger partner that you're going into an arrangement, have everything done, do your due diligence, have a, 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 a real agreement written up by somebody at Steve's law firm that spells out, okay? And then be very careful because no matter what the agreement says, if they don't pay and you don't cover that charge, all, everyone's credit is going to be conversely hurt. And what do I always tell and you? Credit is king. I mean, if you the cash is king, but credit is, is just about close to that because everything and everybody looks at credit. And Dottie, you know, it's important. People sometimes make a mistake. If let's say in the example that Ace gave when there are three co-owners, they think as long as I pay my one third, it's okay. Yes. The bank doesn't care. The bank expects a full right. payment each month. The finance department expects a full payment on taxes insurance the full payment and if there's a shortfall that's between the owners to figure out it's not their problem so just because you pay your piece doesn't mean you're free Very exactly important. that's a great point before i continue because i want to i have so much today of what's going on i want to take a quick call from simon from new york city and simon good morning simon you there do you hear me do I have Simon or did I lose him? Hello. Hi, Simon. Yes, I'm here. Good morning. Yes, good. hi. Good, good morning. Thanks for calling us. I'm sorry. And, but, no, I said I can hear you. I said you have a question on buying and selling co-ops? Yes. Uh, first of all, uh, I have a, uh, a co-op in the Bronx. I don't know if you know Bronx, New York. Uh, if you've ever heard of Fordham Hill. Of course, I have. Yes. All right. It's about uh, almost a thousand families living there. It's it's a it's a good place. It's uh, a gated community. They have twenty-four uh, hour security and such. Um, if I wanted to sell a co-op, they set a uh, minimum price. They, they set a price of two hundred fifty thousand for for a two-bedroom co-op. And. The, I spoke to real estate. I've got an agent who's working with me, and he says, you, well, you may not get that amount, but that's the amount they insist on. Now, if I have a prospective buyer who wants to buy the co-op, can they negotiate with these people to uh, bring the price down? Is that possible? Steven? Hello? Sure. So yes. – um, yeah, hi. So, so sure, let me go ahead and explain how it works. Co-ops have very wide discretion, and co-ops can say yes or no to any deal for good reason, a bad reason, as long as they don't violate fair housing law. And so co-ops, and it's well-established, have the absolute right to say that there is a minimum sales price that we want. Otherwise, we'll 
turn down the deal for an otherwise qualified buyer. They're absolutely within their legal right to do that. Now, there are some techniques that do exist um, to sort of work with that. So potentially, if let's say, for example, uh, and I don't want to go through all them on the radio, but let's say, for example, you were in agreement with the buyer that let's say $240,000 is the price. Maybe you could strike a deal to say, look, pay two fifty, but I'll give you $10,000 to pay your maintenance. So if let's say the maintenance was $1,000 a month, say, look, I'll pay 10 months of maintenance for you. So effectively, it would be like the buyer got it for 240000 and the co-op got their price for 250000 uh, in the record. That is something that, that is out there. You know, there are some techniques like that. There are limitations on that, and that's a deeper conversation. But the co-op does have the right to do this. There are some ways to work around it. Interestingly, there is a movement, and there's discussions in Westchester County on the state level, but they're very preliminary, to require co-ops to give more information about why they're turning down a transaction. Um, There are some county-based laws right now, um, but there is more of a discussion about that on the horizon, but no new law yet. The only other thing I could suggest, because, yeah, (laughs) is if I don't know, you know, I I don't know offhand the value of your apartment, but that you own, but if prices have gone down there and you can, in a good way, go to the board meeting and have um, some documentation of things that are selling right near you and what they're going for, because if you're having that problem, in other words, if you want to sell it for less, uh, and obviously you you wouldn't want to sell it for less if you could get more. So I'm assuming that if you sell it for less, it's because that's what you think you can get. Then you'd have to bring that. I would bring that up at the board meeting and have uh, the real estate agent give you like the sales that are, are happening right next to you or nearby uh, to show that maybe the prices have gone down. I'm not saying that they have. I don't know. But unfortunately, when you buy in a co-op, you're really stuck with their rules. And I just had someone from, I won't mention what building in the city, but it's one of the probably most hard to get in buildings as far as a co-op. And I met him when I was in in, in Palm Beach. And he said to me, I have to talk to you. And I said, what? He said, do you think that we should make the rules in this co-op a little more lenient? And uh, of course, I when he asked me to write a letter to the board for him, which I did. So I, you know, I think unfortunately you're in a tough position, but I would go at a, to the board meeting and bring that, that question up because you're not the only person that's going to have that happen to you. I think we have a break. We'll be right back. I want to talk to you about I'm walking court and what's going on after the Manhattan market sale. We'll move on to what happens to the sales world. We'll be right back. Talk to you in two minutes. Tell me why Relief Factor is so successful in lowering or eliminating pain. 
I'm often asked that question. Pete and Seth Talbot, the father and son founders of Relief Factor, tell me they believe our bodies were designed to heal. That's right, designed to heal, and now I agree. The doctors who formulated Relief Factor for Pete and Seth selected the four best ingredients, 100% drug-free ingredients that each help your body deal with inflammation. That's correct. Each of the four ingredients deal with inflammation on a different metabolic pathway. That right there. Approaching your pain from four different angles may very well be why so many Americans find such wonderful pain relief. If you have back pain, shoulder, neck, hip, knee, or foot pain from exercise or even just getting older, you must order the three-week quick start now. Discount it to only nineteen ninety-five to see if it will work for you too. I think it could. Give your body what it needs to heal itself. Go to relieffactor.com, call 800 500 8384, relieffactor.com. I'm Valerie Smaldone. I have a show that gives you a break from politics because it's something completely different. It's Bagels and Broadway, and there's Sundays at 2. This week, Susan Sampliner, a woman known for handling the Broadway Company of Wicked, has a temporary new job, head of the new Broadway Vaccination Center for People in the Performing Arts. Record company executive Pete Ganbarg, who recently won a Grammy for the recording of Jagged Little Pill, plus a unique tea salon in New York. Bagels and Broadway, Sunday at 2. There are ideas and ideologies afoot in our culture today, lurking beneath the surface. Fault Lines is a book that will help you discern these worldviews and ideas, help you understand what they are and where they come from. Critical Race Theory social justice, intersectionality. We've all heard these terms, but most of us have no idea what they mean. Fault lines will not only help you understand the meaning of these words, but it will also help you understand the ideologies behind them. Fault lines is a book for our day, for our time, for this moment, because I'm not talking about something that's coming. I'm talking about something that's here, something that has to be confronted now. This is Vody Bakum, and I want to encourage you to buy my new book, Fault Lines, available everywhere books are sold. Your business is ready for a reboot, a recharge. The way our companies operate has changed. The changes haven't been easy, but there's help. The marketing team at Salem Surround gives you the tools needed to stand out and be visible to current and potential customers online right now looking for what you do. We can design a plan that targets potential customers with proven marketing strategies. Learn more at surroundnewyork.com. SurroundNewYork.com, connecting you with new customers. Take AM 970 The Answer anywhere you go with our mobile app. Get in on iTunes, Google Play, or listen on TuneIn, iHeart, Alexa, or Radio.com. Want to listen to AM 970 The Answer on the go? There's an app for that. Download our free smartphone app so you can listen to all your favorite shows, keep up with us on social media, enter contests, win prizes, and even interact with our hosts all in one place. Just search AM 970 The Answer in the iPhone App Store or the Google Play Store for the Android. Again, search AM 970 The Answer and download our smartphone app today. That way, you can take us wherever you go. It's I on Real Estate. Got a question? Call 866-970-9622. Here's Douglas Elements CEO, Dottie Herman. 
back. We, we talked a little about rentals. I want to give you um, a current update of the sales market uh, that we are currently experiencing. And in Manhattan's sales market, um, co-ops and condos exceeded year-ago levels for the first time in four quarters. So we've passed the levels. Um, the market share of bidding wars fell because people are just outbidding people. Um, listing inventory continued to see an annual increase, um, but it seems like more smaller apartments were on the market. Median sales price for co-ops and condos declined year over year, but co-op sales more than doubled since the end of the spring lockdown. So that's uh, good news. Um, it's been, Ace, it's really weird, but it's been the highest market share of finance condo sales, meaning a lot of times these condos paying cash. It's the highest market share of finance condo sales in seven years of tracking financing of condo sales. Oh, Dottie, we're seeing from the low end to the high end buyers. Um, everybody is taking advantage of these low rates, Dottie. You know, it's right. Uh, phenomenal. Right. So many people are saying, even if I have the money or I can put down the more, I'm not going to do it because of the rates. Uh, and in new developments, uh, anything under $3 million in New York City uh, surged. I mean, it went, went crazy. Uh, in co-ops and condos, listing inventories trended lower. So that means there's even less than that we had. And townhouses is kind of a mixed bag. For those of you who live in Greenwich, I just want to tell you that Greenwich home sales doubled and hit a 16-year high. Um, Fairfield County had its most sales in 13 years in the first quarter of this year. Okay, uh, the, but, but the inventory plunged, okay? I mean, they, there's just no inventory. Uh, by, it plunged by 44%. So if you're looking in Greenwich, I'm gonna tell you there's not much around, and if you find something you like, you have to move. You have to have everything in order, like we tell you every week, your pre-approvals, everything done. You don't want to, and if you're a seller, you don't want to take someone that didn't do that. You want someone to have all that in place. It's not just price. You need to look at their credit. You have to know that they're pre-approved. I wouldn't go near anything that didn't have that. Home prices, the growth of home prices hit. Now, this is all over a 15-year high. Now, who expected this? No one. I mean, with the pandemic, who expected that we'd hit a market uh, this, this, this way? And when I talked about a tipping point in the beginning of the show, we are about exactly a year after the COVID-19 crisis shut down. And um, it's, a lot of uh, a lot of articles are saying it's going to still boom into 22, but in some articles they're saying it looks like a perfect storm for a correction. Now, if you look at what's going on, home prices are overheated, mortgage rates are rising, but I think they came down a little bit, didn't they, Ace, from last week? Maybe a little. Um, the supply of homes is anemic, meaning I told you in the beginning of the show there is really no supply. And consumer, uh, consumer confidence is falling. No one could ever have predicted this. Not the economists, not real estate agents, and especially not the nation's home builders. 
but a, this pandemic has caused an emotional run on the housing market like nothing we've ever seen. So with, you know, everything is, I mean, just anything that's tied down, that's not tied down is selling. The sales recovery is very strong and, and buyers are eager to purchase homes and properties that they have been eyeing during the shutdown. And during the shutdown, nobody wants me to go into a house. So people went online and looked, but they really didn't want to go into anything. So I read something that said, oh, this is the home seller's market crash. Now I'm not predicting this. I just want to talk about it for a few minutes. And the article reads, the home seller market crash is worse than we predicted. If you are in the real estate or mortgage business, a year since the start of the pandemic in the U.S., you are likely to see the world as the haves and the have-nots, especially when looking at seller leads and seller generated. It says, inventory, of course, I'm telling you, is at historic lows. Affordability is rapidly eroding. And why is it rapidly eroding with such mortgage, which low mortgage rates? It's rapidly eroding due to the price increases because a buyer's market is when there's more demand than there is supply. And right now there's more demand than there is supply in most places, maybe not New York City yet, but in most places across the country, especially the suburbs of the city. Um, so when you are looking at our, our, you know, you've got to kind of look at what's going on and is this a tipping point, okay? And if we look at what's going on, if you're a seller, okay, if you're a seller, and I'm just going to give you an opinion, and this is an opinion. If you are thinking, if you were thinking of maybe selling your home in the next five years, I would seriously consider putting it on the market now, okay? And not necessarily buying something, maybe renting something. Okay, because the rents haven't gone up, the houses have. And so if you are in seriously considering buying, you know, saying, you know, I was going to maybe sell three years from now, I wasn't quite ready, but I'm thinking of it. I have to tell you, I just think that there's no inventory. Um, you are going to get top dollar for most part. Uh, you have so many buyers out there that it really is a very good time to sell. Uh, I, I don't know if you agree with me, but I, I, I really think that you would, I would seriously consider it because we have no inventory and we can't predict what's gonna happen in 22. Now Ace, what do you, what do you, what is the outlook, you know, for mortgage rates? Because Goldman's, I believe Goldman Sachs says that US home prices will rise 6.8% this year. Now, last year, they previously thought it would be 4.7. So it's, they're going to continue to go up. And the low levels of supply are what's driving up prices. We don't have inventory. So when you don't have inventory, and there's nothing to choose from, and there's only a few houses, that's what, bids, what, that's what brings up prices. So um, the supply for single-family homes plunged to a record low in 2020 and kept falling for the first months of 2021 with supply close to 50% lower than we need, okay? There are so many, I said at the beginning of the show, we would be selling more houses if we had more supply. Um, 
the rec, you know, the mortgage rates, although, what are they now, Ace, about? They're around 3.25, Dottie. So they went up a little bit on the past four to five weeks. So it went up by almost half a percent. It's back down a little bit now. But Dottie, as, as the government um, starts to sort of um, trickle their, their commitment to purchasing mortgage-backed securities, right? They, they did a lot of uh, purchasing last year, this year, to stimulate the economy due to the pandemic. But as the vaccinations um, are being rampant and as people are, are hopefully recovering from COVID-19, the government's going to um, slowly just, just lessen their commitment to purchasing mortgage-backed securities. That's going to actually increase rates, right? So it's not going to be a, 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 a rapid increase, but there is going to be an, incre- an increase throughout the years because it's been artificially low for so long, Dottie. But um, at this point, what, what we're seeing in the marketplace is that, to your point, the inventory is so low that cons- our construction loans are becoming so popular in today's marketplace because people are deciding to build their own homes, Dottie, because there's such low inventory. They're like, you know what? Let me just purchase land and let me just build my own home the way I want it. So that's actually something that's becoming a trend, um, you know, not only in New York, but in other places around the country too. But that's that's really okay. where we are. Well, while you're on that, because yeah. construction loans, maybe, um, and I see that happening all the time. I just know a, a person who puts something on the market. It's a tiny little hut, but it's on nine acres. I think that it's definitely a tear down. It's like two bedrooms, two, two, two bedrooms. It's a tiny little cottage. Yeah. But it yep. happens to be on nine acres in the Hamptons. And it's they're crazy. Well, they're going to knock it down and build something. When you want to get a construction loan, usually they're more difficult than regular loans. Can you tell everyone? Because that's going to be very big teardowns. And as Ace said, people building their own homes when they can find land. What does someone have to go through to get a construction loan? It's very different than if you would just get a loan on a pre-existing home, a resale. Yeah, Dottie. So the perception is getting a construction loan is um, is a lot more difficult to your point, right, Dottie? But if you if if you've ever gotten one, it's it's not that difficult if you have all of your um, all of your different lines of uh, I guess construction lined up. So let me explain to the to our listeners, right? It's the same as getting a mortgage, except the the price that you pay to purchase the land or purchase the property per se could be utilized as part of your down payment could be a hundred percent of your down payment so you have to you don't have to put anything more out of pocket when getting a construction loan that's number one that's very very uh critical right that's a benefit so you you purchase the property just like what Dottie said the small hut you know for let's say uh, i don't know in the hamptons it's probably going to be a pretty good amount but let's just say you purchase it for five hundred thousand. your plans are to put in another five hundred thousand for construction so you purchase it for five hundred thousand. That's your down payment. You don't have to put a single penny more um, down for the loan. Now the loan that you're getting, what you have to do is you have to get a licensed architect and a licensed contractor, and then from there, their plans need to be finished at a certain timeline, and the bank will then give disbursements for the construction. But it's but they'll give you a loan amount on the future value of your property, not what you bought it for, which was 500000 So let's say you need a 500000 loan. 
the, and the contractor set, states that after the 500,000 loan, your property will, will be worth 1.2 million. That's the appraised value, right? So it's a very, it's not a hard process just a little bit more tedious where you have to do a little bit more work where you have to bring in the parties, right? An architect, a contractor, and basically they'll be speaking directly with the bank and we'll give you the rest of the financing for the construction. So it's, it's, it's a very good product that people are taking advantage of. Rates are very low. Um, it's not high at all. And for the first 12 months during the construction, it's interest only. You know, we can probably do a whole show on it, Dottie, but it's, it's a very popular product. <laughs> But, we should uh, talk it's, more it's, about it because uh, you know we'll do it. Uh, we'll continue talking about it on other shows because yeah. there is so little inventory that people are doing that, or they're buying a home that they are just going to have to tear down and build another one. Just to to go to this continuum, what Ace was saying, the largest quarterly volume of mortgage originations has happened in this year in history. In history. The most refinancing in a year since 2003. So obviously you've been listening to our advice about refinancing. Um, the most debt taken on by first-time buyers on record. $182 billion of home equity withdrawn during 2020, an average of about 27000 per household. So, and, and homes hit an all-time price high price now we're talking nationally so when i say three hundred seventy thousand dollars obviously you can't buy anything that's great around here for that but okay the market's on fire and therefore i would like everyone to take the time to think and plan as i said don't sell your house if you're not planning to sell your house but if you're planning to sell your house it is really a great time to do it okay uh, no one thinks that the interest rates, even though they went up a little, are anything that's going to stop anyone from continuing to buy. And if you're looking to buy a home, because there's such poor inventory, you might find the home in the right place. It might not be the perfect home, but then you can get somebody in to kind of fix it. A lot of people are really, as I said, buying things that maybe they wouldn't normally buy because I know most uh, especially millennials want things that are absolutely done to their perfection. They don't want to have to do any work. Well, you know, if you, if you don't have a million new houses, cause there's no land to build them, then you might start with something that has, you know, the layout and get someone to come in and look and say, what is that going to cost for me to make it to the way to my liking? But I have to tell you my opinion it is a crazy market and it doesn't seem to ending. Now, Goldman Sachs predicts, and again, this is just a prediction, um, that it'll it'll not get bad, but that 22, that home price and that appreciation will not continue to grow as much. There are 6.8, will go for 3.9. And I say this is 22.